The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In a new book, The Joy of Sweat, the reader has taken on a fascinating journey through the world of perspiration, unraveling the mysteries of this peculiar yet indispensable bodily function. From salty sweat to stress-induced perspiration and even colourful secretions, the book explores the science, the history and the cultural significance of sweat. I'm joined by science journalist, author of The Joy of Sweat, Sarah Everett. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. Can you tell me how you became preoccupied by perspiration or sweat? Yeah, I know. It's a little bit of a strange topic. Uh, I, like many people, worried a little bit about the fact that I might sweat too much. Um, When I go exercising, uh, I'm the one who's already sweaty in the warm-up. Yet, I'm also a science journalist, so I've spoken to plenty an evolutionary biologist who has pointed out that sweat is one of humanity's superpowers. It's their unique, it's a unique feature along with big brains and being the naked ape um, that sets us apart in the animal kingdom. And so I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to have to figure out uh, a little bit more about sweat, find out why this thing that um, makes at least me feel a little bit mortified is also this thing that makes humans unique. Superficially, it's easy to see why we sweat. This liquid appears upon us and then it has to evaporate off and in evaporating off, it cools us down. That's the way refrigeration actually works. But where does the liquid come from? So sweat is sourced from your blood. Uh, When your body gets the cool-down directive, your veins uh, push up against your skin, and your sweat glands effectively take all the stuff that is not, um, you know, large and sends it to to the surface of your skin. So effectively, your red blood cells, your immune cells, they're filtered out, but sweat is just liquidy blood. Um, So so you can... Sweat, I presume, until you've nothing more to give. What happens then? Uh, You die. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's a terrible way to die. Um, So it's effectively you die of um, overheating. And um, what begins to happen is that uh, your proteins, the the biomolecules in your body uh, begin to unfold. They start losing their structural integrity. Um, All sorts of terrible things happen in your digestive system. The the barriers that keep uh, all the microbes that are in your intestines that uh, are there to help you digest. Well, um, then those barriers are broken and they start uh, permeating into the rest of your body. And so you have, you know, effectively mm-hmm. septic shock. It is not, um, yes, it is not a nice way to die. So yes, you should be very happy about sweating mm-hmm. as uh, as the way to, to, to cool yourself down. Now, you can see the sweat on someone's back when they exercise. Uh, but even when people don't exercise, if they're sitting in the office, they may perspire from their armpits. Now, what's going on there? Because they're not trying to cool the armpits, one presumes. Right. So this is this wonderful thing uh, about sweat is that, um, well, we have it everywhere. And uh, there's two ways to, to... cue the opening of the floodgates. And one is obviously temperature, but also uh, stress. 
can also open the floodgates. And so um, the fact that we sweat in our armpits is is partly just because there's skin there and we have uh, two to five million sweat glands. They're, they're all over our body and they're also in your armpits. But um, in terms of why they open when you're not really uh, too hot, that's because you might be um, kind of a little bit stressed out. That being said, you are always sweating just a tiny bit. Um, your body's always making tiny micro adjustments to your, your temperature. And it's just when you do a lot of exercise or are stressed out that you notice this massive change. And that's because your body's like, oh no, uh, we really need to, to get the cool down directive started. But at any moment, your, your body's always making tiny micro adjustments to temperature because it's such an important feature of staying alive. Why does body odor bother us? You could be sitting in an office with a number of people and one person uh, among the group will stink to high heaven. If it's a human odour, why does it annoy us? Well, we do have noses also, <laughs> which is a, a problem. But what's really interesting about body odor sweat is that it's a second kind of sweat gland. So uh, up until now, we've been talking about the sweat that cools us down, that salty, liquidy stuff that, that is sourced from blood. Well, at puberty, a second kind of sweat gland becomes active anywhere where you grow hair. And that sweat gland actually produces a waxy kind of sweat. It's not salty or liquidy at all. It's more like earwax. And when it comes out, it doesn't actually have any odor, but there's bacteria living all over your skin and the bacteria in your armpit eat that waxy sweat and metabolize it, which is just a, a scientific euphemism for um, flatulence. And uh, it's effectively the microbial, the bacterial um, yeah, metabolism, their poop that makes you stinky. Mm. So um, your, 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 your sticky, body you. <laughs> odor is actually uh, microbial farts. Correct. Yes. Yes. Good news, bad news. <laughs> um, now, we are told that within our body odor, there might be um, the secrets to a successful sex life, that we're emitting pheromones that uh, the people we're trying to attract will filter out through their nose and their brain and know that you are the one. True or false? It's complicated, <laughs> like all things with romance. Um, so there's all sorts of really fascinating suggestions that humans uh, learn all sorts of important information, including about romance and love, from uh, the way that others smell. So you can identify um, siblings that you haven't seen in years based on their body odor. You can sniff out anxiety in other people. Um, and sometimes you can even sniff out uh, illness in other people. But in terms of romance, you know, because our body odor appears right at the time we reach sexual maturity, it does seeming seem to suggest it does seem to suggest that uh, we might be using it in romance but here's the thing um, the most uh, conclusive evidence uh, comes from this t-shirt study done um, quite a while ago by this guy named Klaus Vedekin and what he did was he got a bunch of men to wear t-shirts uh, and sweat in them and then he got women to sniff those t-shirts and he found, he took blood from everybody as well. And then he found that when 
uh, women preferred uh, the odor of a particular man that the immune system of that man and that woman uh, were such that um, if they were to procreate, they produce a child who had a really strong immune system. And if you think about it, it makes evolutionary sense, right? Uh, for most of human history, um, plagues and bacteria and, and infections have been uh, a very important and deadly killer, right? So it behooves us to choose a mating partner who has an immune system that would produce, you know, offspring that, you know, could survive an infection. That's not very sexy, right? So most of the, you know, the pop culture on pheromones suggests that, you know, there's the one and only for you. That nobody has been able to find. Um, it's more suggestive that we are picking people that might uh, help us make immune strong offspring. And, you know, the other thing about it that, it, that, makes things uh, a little gray is that chemists haven't been able to pluck from the armpits odors of humans th the molecule that you would say is a pheromone, right? So we, mm. they can pluck so many other things out. They haven't been able to pluck that out. And so there's all sorts of entrepreneurs, particularly online, that will try to sell you pheromone cologne. What's uh, comically amusing to me is that the, the pheromone cologne that most um, mostly is sold online has actually wild boar pheromone in it. So <laughs> if you do choose to purchase that, you'll be attracting um, uh, perhaps a partner, but it won't be a human one. It will be a, a hairy mm. boar. Um, but there are parts of the world where um, sniffing might be an important part of dating culture? Well, uh, I think that we all end up uh, sniffing our partners at some point. Usually uh, it's in the bedroom. Um, and it can be a make or break moment, which is what has led uh, some folks to do a thing called smell dating. And uh, this has been a uh, put out uh, to the public in, in places uh, like New York City, Rio de Janeiro, uh, Berlin. I did it in Moscow um, about five or six years ago. And effectively, it's a way to find out whether you're going to be attracted to the body odor of, of someone um, possibly before it's too late. So uh, the way it works is you are uh, you go you, you go to one of these events and the first thing you're done is handed a wet wipe. So you remove all um, you know deodorant, any perspirant, perfume, any products that you're wearing that smell. And then everybody is taken through some calisthenics. Uh, you're, you're jumping, you're doing squats, uh, you're working up a sweat. And that's when you're handed a, a cotton pad where you dab up any sweat that you've produced. And then they put that cotton pad into a glass jar. And that jar is numbered and only you and the organizers know the number. And then there's a table and all of the glass jars are put on the table. And everybody sniffs through the glass jars and you're supposed to pick your top favorite five. Mm -hmm. And if I were to pick your number and you were to pick my number, then we would be a match. And in that particular case, uh, we were given a VIP bracelet to a cocktail lounge so that uh, we could get to know each other over uh, vodka cocktail drinks. But um, yeah, the, the first stage of the triage process is actually sniffing. So yes, that, oh. that okay. is a thing that people do. So you picked your five and uh, did you match anyone? Did you end up in the cocktail lounge? 
I did. I remember uh, I, I picked, there was one that I sniffed. I was like, oh my goodness, hello. Um, and then there were some that I sniffed and uh, I was just like, dear Lord, please save me from ever meeting this person. And then there were some that were just kind of um, kind of nostalgic, if, if you can understand that. Um, and I ended up matching, sadly, not with the person that I was like, hello, but uh, with a person who uh, kind of gave me a nostalgic feel. And it was this beautiful woman um, that uh, worked in fashion. So I felt like I had some sort of, I had won the smell dating game. She, she was very attractive, but I, I personally prefer men. So um, we met, we had a, a, a nice drink, uh, and then went our separate ways. I mean, it could be from childhood, from a, a mother, that you're getting that reminiscent uh, odor. Who knows? But you do mention uh, there about having to strip away all of the deodorants and antiperspirants and so on. It's a huge industry globally. Oh, yeah. $80 billion annually. So the and difference between the two techniques, one is just to cover up what's there, which would be a deodorant doing what it says, taking the odour away. I presume that's zapping the little bacteria that are producing the odour in the first place. But what do the antiperspirants do? Do they actually stop you sweating? Yeah, they do. So you're right. Deodorant has uh, antiseptic in it. So it effectively kills all the bacteria living in your armpit that would eat your sweat and turn it stinky. Um, antiperspirants typically have aluminum salts in them, and those aluminum salts plug your armpit um, sweat glands and prevent the sweat from coming out and thus prevent the buffet for the bacteria living in, in your armpits that would eat it and then and turn it stinky. So yeah, it is actually stopping sweat for a time. Um, it you know will eventually uh, break down and, and come out. And so yes, it's, it's not a permanent thing, but it, it does stop sweating for uh, some time. Um, finally, I should ask you, is there anywhere in the world where um, sweating and body odour attached to sweating is acceptable? I'm thinking, you know, in China, belching after uh, a big meal is regarded as a compliment to the chef. So we're told. Uh, and I'm sure there are other uh, arcane customs in other parts of the world. Anywhere where they love a good sniff. <laughs> uh, I haven't found a place where people uh, fetishize. um body odor, except in some uh, unusual clubs in, in various urban centers. But I do think what, what's interesting is, is the converse, which is in a lot of Western cultures, we are so petrified of body odor that we go to great lengths to, to hide it. And, and you know, it, it's funny to me that we are happy to pro present ourselves as a citrus fruit or uh, Old Spice, um, but we're not happy to present ourselves as, as, as humans. Um, so I, I think it's more that Western culture is very much obsessed with um, having no sign whatsoever of body odor, no sign that you're a human. And, um, you know, there are other parts of the world where people are, are just not as stressed out about it. Um, and, you know, given that sweating is part and parcel of being human and at least the the salty stuff keeps us alive it strikes me that we should all kind of dial it down with the the sweat stigma well the book is called the joy of sweat and indeed it is a joy to read and its author sarah everts thank you very much for joining us on the program today it was a pleasure thank you the pat kenny show with aviva insurance on news talk